Thank you, Pastor Bingham, for allowing me to be here tonight. It's a joy to be here uh, in this church. I have not been here, I think, years ago, around 98 or 99. You guys hosted some kind of meeting out here, and I came out here then. And this building was nowhere around or nothing like that. So I'll tell you, when I pulled up here and saw this, I'll tell you, all glory and praise to God. Amen. Thank God for it. But I just thank Pastor Bingham for allowing me to be here. Of course, we've known your, the Tolbers for many, many years. Had the privilege of trying to keep Miss Shirley straight when she worked over at BBC. But you know, nobody's been able to do that. So... Uh, <laughs> And so, nevertheless, we, had, we got to be co-laborers over there for a few years. And then, of course, it's good to see my friend down here, uh, right down here in front, Brother Harvey Goodman down here. And uh, we got acquainted on Noah's Ark when we got off right after Noah's Ark came here. So we've known each other for a long, long time. And, of course, then I saw Pastor Weigel here. And so, man, I feel like I'm almost at home here, preacher. And then the song leader over here, I met his dad in 1968. So I'm thinking, man. You know, I, I may be kin to some of y'all before I get out of here this week. Who knows, you know? I mean, uh, I am from South Alabama, so nevertheless, that's where that goes. But it is a joy to be with you, and I hope that you will come out each night. And, I, you know, it's not how revival meeting starts, but how it ends is the important thing. And so I pray that God will bless this meeting. I, my wife and I started praying for this meeting back in June. I can truly say that. And I, I put it on my prayer list and I, I just began to pray and pray and pray. Or maybe it was July. I'm sorry, maybe it was July. But I began to pray and ask God to meet with us in a very, very special way. I'm reminded of the, of the preacher who was hosting a revival meeting. And he and the pastor one day were out uh, in town area there, and they met a lady who attends the church there, and had, she had her young boy with her. And, and uh, the pastor said to the lady there, said, well, have you enjoyed the revival meeting? And, and the lady said, oh, preacher, I tell you, it has been wonderful. She said, as a matter of fact, I, I, I'm just full up to here. And the pastor looked over the little, little boy and said, son, how, how about you? Have you enjoyed the meeting? He said, well, I'm kind of like mama. I got a belly full of him. So, I hope that's not the case time the meeting is over with. Open your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The pastor's theme for the revival meeting is always abounding. And I was praying when I got that information, I thought, Lord, that's what I'm going to preach on. So I'm going to be going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little background of information. The apostle Paul traveled to Corinth uh, on his third missionary journey, I believe it was, Corinth at that time was a city of about 600,000 people. So it was a very large city. Corinth was known for two predominant things, commerce and corruption. Uh, it had two large seaports, one on the east side, one on the west side, and it was a great commerce city during those times. The city was actually started by Julius Caesar who built the, uh, the city there. During the time of Paul, the city was the home to the temple of Aphrodite, and she was considered the goddess of love, beauty, sexuality, pleasure, passion, and of course, procreation. There in, at the temple of worship for Aphrodite, uh, there was uh, 1,000 prostitutes who lived there. Uh, it's a very, very sad and wicked city to say uh, the least. Also, when you read about what was immoral, uh, the sin of, uh, of, of, of every kind was so prominent there in the city. Uh, the sin of sodomy and, and everything you can think about was very prevalent, even very public at that time. 
As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans from the city of Corinth. And when you read Romans chapter number 1, especially verses 19 through 32, you read about some very horrible sins, and, Paul, and those were sins that Paul witnessed on the streets of Corinth on a daily basis at that time. And so it was a very, very wicked city. Now, Paul uh, spent about, some say 18 months, others say 24 months, but nevertheless, he spent about 18 to 24 months in the city of Corinth establishing what we know as the church of Corinth. Now, from Corinth, uh, Paul then went to Ephesus, and after he left, and I want you to listen to this very carefully, after Paul left, he established that church. They won people to Christ. They baptized them and they discipled them, he and his team together. And then Paul, after about two years, he goes up to Ephesus to, charge, to start the church in Ephesus. And the, the leadership of the church let almost anybody and anyone come into the membership of the church. And I'm telling you, that is a horrible mistake. Doctrine became not important at all to them. They threw everything out the window. It was all about reaching people. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am all about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you got to do it what by thus saith the word of God, and you cannot throw doctrine out of the window. And that is exactly what we see happening in our society today, in church, in Christendom today. I, it doesn't make any difference what you believe. And that is not true based on the Bible. Sad to say that is the way it was going even there. Well, then Paul, uh, he begins to write uh, the, to the Corinthians. And you know, uh, last night, knowing what I was going to preach, I just reread the book of 1 Corinthians again last night. They had so many problems. I'm just going to give you a little bit of the highlights of the problems they had. In 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1 uh, and, and 2, Paul says that there was divisions and contentions in, in, that, in, in, the, in the church. Chapter 3, he says they are carnal and they lack spiritual maturity. Chapter 3, again, he uses the word envy, strife, and division. Chapter 4, they're judging without facts. And Paul says that they have pride and they're arrogant in their heart and soul. Chapter 5, there's sexual immorality open in the church that one should have his father's wife. Actually, he was his stepmom, and he was having an affair with her. It was a public knowledge in the church, and the church did nothing about it. How sad. Chapter 6, there was such division in the church, they began to go to courts of law to sue over church-related matters. Chapter 7, false teachings about salvation. They let people come into the church that taught that in order to be saved, you had to be circumcising, and, and, and they began to teach a works-based salvation. Chapter 8, Paul drives home, once again, the subject of the liberty of grace. In chapter number 9, Paul uh, defends, has to defend his own apostleship. They were denying that he was an apostle of Christ. Chapter 10, uh, once again, he talks about their uh, griping and their idolatry. Chapter 11, the abuse of the ordinances, uh, he's, he, he, he tries to address that. Chapter 12, the, the abuse of spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 and 14, he deals with, uh, again, with gifts and the speaking in tongues and, and, and how they're trying to say they're spiritual and they're not. And then he gives us the, the greatest of all, that is love. 
And of course, then chapter number 15, he gives us, he tells him that which is important is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he says to them, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, there are some foundations that are required before you can abound in the work of God. He said, first of all, you got to be steadfast. In the Greek, the word there simply means to be seated or to settle down. You got to get settled down. Could I tell you there's a couple of things that you got to get settled on? Number one, you got to get settled on your doctrine. You got to know what the Bible says, you got to believe what the Bible says, and you got to live out what the Bible says. Secondly, you, got to, you have got to get settled about who's going to be first in your life. Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? I, and I'm telling you, that is a struggle that all of us live with all of our life. Who's going to be first in your life? Now then, he said, first of all, get settled on your doctrine. Number two, get settled on your devotion as to who's going to be first in your life. He said, be steadfast. And then he said, when you get there, don't move. That is the basis from which you can grow in the Lord. Now, I have found people who've been in churches for years and years, and they, they, they're still not for sure if their salvation is, is secure or not. I'm just going to tell you, you, you can forget about growing in the Lord. You're not going to grow in the Lord. You've got to get settled. Now then, then he says this here, be steadfast when you get there, unmovable, and then he says, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding. Now, we would not use the word abounding, but really the word, what the word abounding there implies is this thing here of growing in the Lord. And so I want to ask everybody a question here tonight. And, and I want you to think about the question that I'm going to, I'm going to ask you. I, I don't want you just to answer it just like that. I, I want you to think for at least a, two or three seconds before you answer this question. I don't want you to answer it out loud to me. I don't want you to answer it to your spouse or anyone in your pew. I want you just to simply answer this question in your own heart and soul. You ready? Now, here's the question. Are you growing in the Lord? That's a simple question, is it not? Now, I didn't ask you, have you grown in the Lord? I didn't ask you, are you intending on growing in the Lord? I ask you, are you present tense, active tense, are you growing in the Lord? Now, for those of you who would answer that question in your own heart and soul, and you would say, preacher, I'll be honest with you right now before God, I'm not growing in the Lord. There's hope that you can grow in the Lord because you've got to come to that point and, be, and acknowledge it and be truthful with yourself. The worst lie that you'll ever believe in, your, in, in this world is the lie you tell yourself. But a lot of people tell their own selves lies and they believe it all the time. So if you said, no, I'm not growing, there's hope that you can grow in the Lord. Number two, for those of you who said here, yes, preacher, I'm growing in the Lord, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, in what area of your life are you growing in? And I, I want to say this to you. If you've got to stop and think about that just for a moment, you're not growing in the Lord. You're just trying to fool yourself. 
because the God of this universe cannot be at work in your life and you not know it. That will not happen that way. Secondly, I got to ask you another question. If you say, yes, I'm growing in the Lord, uh, then, then here's my next question for you. What changes have you made in your life? You see, to say you're growing in the Lord and you're making no changes in your life, you're fooling yourself. I, I, I mean, you know what? I mean, you are fooling yourself. The first century philosopher Parmenides said this, whatever is, is, to which Hercules Another philosopher said, no, whatever is, is changing. And I'm going to tell you something, my friend. Everything that have li has life is growing and changing. Do you realize that every minute of every day, three billion cells in the human body dies and is recreated? You won't go out of here the same person you came in here. You know why? Because everything that's alive is growing and changing. I think one of the easiest things to do as a Christian is to not grow in the Lord, especially the longer you've been saved. You know, statistics says that the average person who gets saved will grow rather rapidly for the first three to five years. After that, they'll grow a little bit for maybe over the next five years. And after that, statistics say that most Christians, once they've been saved 10 years, never grow basically anymore. Now, how long have you been saved? Is that statistic true of you? I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying, is it true of you? John Maxwell said this, you can't go with God and stay where you are. And then a statement that I read when I was a very young preacher, probably my late 20s or right in my early 30s, I read this statement, and I want to give it to you. Dr. Warren Wisby said this, if God's not working in you, it's for sure God's not working through you. I tell you, I have lived with that statement, and many, many times I, I have pillowed my head at night, and I've asked myself the question, God, what, what did you do in me today? And God, what are you doing through me? If God's not working in you, it's for sure God is not working through you. Now, I believe one of the reasons that churches, good churches, stop growing, a lot of times is because the people stop growing. And when you stop growing, I'm telling you, as a, as, 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 you will stalemate as, as a Christian and I tell you, you become unproductive at that time. And you know what happens if you, when you become a stalemate and you become unproductive? It won't be long before you start finding fault. The song leader don't lead the singing the way he's supposed to. The preacher don't preach the way he's supposed to. Why is this this way? Why is this this way? Why is this that way? You know what your problem is? You are, have lost the vision of what God's purpose for your life is and what the purpose of the church is because you're not growing in the Lord. Now, why do people not grow in the Lord? Let me give you just a, a few thoughts. Number one, I think some people don't grow in the Lord because they equate longevity of salvation with maturity. Well, bless God, I've been, I've been saved 41 years now, and I'm, I'm, I'm growing in the Lord every year. No, that just because you've been saved another year, that does not mean that you have grown in the Lord at all this year. That doesn't mean that at all. That means you're one year older. That does not mean you're any more mature in the work of God at all. So don't equate that. They're not the same. 
I believe some people don't grow in the Lord because they confuse activity for spiritual growth. Now listen to me. I, thank God, I, I don't know much about this congregation, but I know I pastored the same church for 30 years. And let me tell you something. I, I bless God, I had some people, if I said I need, before I could say what it was, they had their hand up in the air. And I thank God for those people. But all I want you to understand is, is activity in itself does not constitute spiritual growth. You can run here, you can run there, you can run everywhere and not be growing in the Lord. By the way, people who do that, not people who just who are busy, but people who are very busy in God's work and don't feed their soul like they should will soon burn out. Churches are full of people who used to who used to, who used to. And it wasn't that they got too busy. It's the fact that they, they did not keep feeding their own soul. Number three, some people don't grow in the Lord because they become more concerned about comfort than they do conformity. You know what Romans eight twenty nine says? For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. And my friend, from the day you got saved until the day you and I leave this earth, God is all about making you more like Jesus Christ today than what you were yesterday. That's what God is all about in all of our lives. But you know what happens to us? And I'm not excluding myself, by the way. We all like our comfort zone. Oh, listen, we get in the car, if it's hot, poop, just turn that little button right over there. Feel that cold air. If it's cold, poop, push that button, feel that heat. We go home, we just, some of y'all got in your house where you just say, Siri, make it 68 degrees in here. Or whatever you want it. You see, we all like our comfort zone. I, I, and you know, if you're going to grow in the Lord, let me tell you something. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to be willing to leave your comfort zone. And, 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 and the first step that you will take when God begins to grow you and God begins to want to do something in your life, the first step he'll take you from is out of your comfort zone and into the fear zone. And you know what always goes in the fear zone? The what if factor. Well, what, what, what if I decide to do this? What if I take this step of faith? Remember, the just shall live by Yeah. But you know what? We like it in the comfort zone. I'm not excluding me. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to us. We like the comfort zone. No fear. We got plenty of money in the bank. We got everything taken care of. We don't even need God. If you're going to grow, I'm going to tell you something. God's probably going to move you out of your comfort zone. And the first zone you'll go into will be your fear zone. And, and you'll get in that fear zone. And the only way you'll grow is when you, when you go to the obedient zone. When you say, God, whatever it is, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I want to grow in the Lord. And then you will go into the growth zone. Now, let me give you three quick thoughts and I'll be through. So how do I grow in the Lord? The first thing you got to do is become dissatisfied with where you are. You see, Paul wrote and said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. Those folks are not wise. 
And you know what? You, you can look around here, and you know what I mean? You, you can look around here, and you can probably say, well, you know what? <clears throat> I'm probably just as good a Christian as that song leader. I know him. I'm probably just as good a Christian as he is. And some of you may be so daring, you'd say, you know what? I'm just as good a Christian as pastor is. Why? Some of you say, well, you know what? I'm just as good a Christian as old brother Tolbert is. But here's the problem with that. None of these guys are the measuring stick. We're not being measured by these guys. We are, we, we are measured by who we are in Christ Jesus. You may look real good compared to me or Brother Tolbert or Brother Bingham or anybody else, but, but we're not the measuring stick. How do you stand in the eyes of God Almighty? That's the, that's the thing right there. You see, if you're going to grow in the Lord, you've got to, first of all, become dissatisfied with where you are. Number two, there's got to be a direction that you're going to grow in. Now, for those of you who are good, solid, God-loving, God-fearing, dedicated, faithful people, when I say there's got to be a direction in your life, many of you good people will probably say to yourself something like this right here. I, I know an area that I need to grow in. I, I already know an area that I need to grow in. And, and I'm not saying it's bad, but, but let me tell you something. The area that you think you need to grow in and the area that God may want you to grow in may be two different areas. You see, we could talk about a lot of things. For example, you know, I pastored the same church for 30 years. And I'm ashamed to say this, but Brother Tober, I hope you didn't have this problem in this church here. There were some people that was in that church when I came there. When I came there as just a young preacher, they never tithed. And 30 years later, I leave, they still don't tithe. Isn't that sad, folks? And I mean people who sat on the church pew Sunday after Sunday. I, I, you'd ask, it wasn't they don't believe it. It wasn't that they, are, oh, they always had, had a reason. But, but just simple obedience. If you're going to grow in the Lord, you've got to be obedient to the Lord. And you know what? I encounter Christians today who, who some of them, they have such unforgiving spirits in, in their lives. I, I, had a, I, I had a lady come to me one time in the church, and, and, and I was actually walking down the left side of the auditorium and I, after preaching a message. It wasn't this message, but I mentioned something about forgiveness in there. And, buddy, she met me, and I'll tell you, she put her finger in my face. She said, you don't understand. You don't understand. And I said, dear lady, it's obvious that you're hurt very deep, and you're right. I do not understand. And she went on to tell me that her husband did everything he could when, they, when he divorced her to try to hurt her and literally destroy her business and destroy her too. But I said this to her, ma'am, that does not give you the right not to forgive him. It doesn't give you that right. You don't have that right. As a matter of fact, if I read my Bible correctly, Matthew 6, Jesus said, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will he forgive you your trespasses. And I find there's a lot of Christian people who've got a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger inside of them. You hurt me and I'm going to forgive you. I'm not going to forgive you of that. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be the person that's going to suffer from that, not them. I, I, I never will forget watching TV uh, when Nelson Mandela was, re was released from prison and he spent 25 years in prison for apartheid. Segregation, we call it here in America. And when he was released from prison, a guy who had, a, had a, a TV camera there and a microphone said to him, oh, Mr. Nel uh, Mr. Mandela, I guess you literally hate those people who imprisoned you for 25 years and you have a right to hate them. 
I'll never forget what Nelson Mandela said. Listen to this. Nelson Mandela said this. He said, oh no, to harbor bitter and hateful feelings towards an individual. He said this. He said, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And I want to tell you something here. Those of you who got unforgiving spirits and you harbored hard hearts towards people and you never have forgiven them, you're not growing in the Lord. And you're not going to grow in the Lord. You got to get that reconciled. You got to get that. You, you got to, you know what? You just got to say, God, I, I, help me to forgive them. God, I want to forgive them. I want to have victory in my life. You got to get victory. And you know, there's so many things we could talk about today. Christians, and this is so sad, and I, I, and I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody. God knows my heart. But, but you know, it's as common today almost to find saved people who are on medication for depression than it is unsaved people. Now, I, I, I did a master's degree in counseling, and I did a lot of work in regards to depression. And I understand there are physical reasons for why people can also be depressed. But not all depression is caused by physical chemical imbalances and et cetera and so asses. A lot of depressions are caused by how you think and what you do and not getting rid of hard feelings and, and, and these types of things. And, and you know, bad things happen in every person's life. And, and, and can I say this to you? Grieving is a process. Pre, gr grieving is not a one-time experience and it's over with. Grieving is a process. Now, if you don't hear anything else, I'll say, listen to this right here. When you go through grieving, you have to plan an exit strategy. Nobody else can make that strategy for you. You've got to plan it and you've got to walk that road. And if you don't, you, you will go down in depression. You hear me? And the Satan will get the victory in your life. Satan will get that victory in your life. You gotta plan an exit. And you know what? I've seen people who, who've gone through severe, severe, hard, hard, hurting things in their life. And, 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 and I've had them come in and see me and, and talk to me and say, Pastor, you know, uh, I, I, I've started to feeling better now. And I, I planned this exit strategy like you told me, preacher, but now I, I, I feel bad because I feel better. That's a trap of Satan. That is absolutely a trap of Satan right there, what I just mentioned to you right there. It really is. You have to plan an exit strategy. Addictions. Oh, boy, we could talk about addictions. I read an article a while back that says one out of every three computers that's turned on every day will go to a porn site. Whew. Listen, I, I, I pastored the same church for 30 years. Don't tell me they're not Christians who get mixed up in porn secretly on a computer at nighttime when nobody's around or at work when nobody's there. I'm going to tell you something, it's going to eat you alive. It's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your marriage. It's going to destroy your family. Be sure your sins will find you out. Poor self-image. Oh, today, so many people who suffer from poor self-image. Let me tell you something. You know what? Get over what you don't have and rejoice in who you are and what God's made you. You know what? I don't have all the talents that a lot of you people have. I, I don't have the strengths that a lot of you have. I, I just got what God gave me, but God doesn't require any more than what he gave me. I am going to do the best I can with what he's given me and, 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 and glorify God with it. So sad. So sad. So if you're going to grow in the Lord, you got to decide, I want to grow in the Lord. And what I would like for you to do tonight is not so much say, 
I, I'm, I'm going to leave tonight and I'm going to start growing in this area or in that area or in this area. That's not what I'm trying to get you to do. What I'd like to encourage you to do is this right here. I'd like to encourage everybody here tonight to say a couple of things to God. Number one, God, I want to grow. I want to be a growing Christian. God, I, I want to be a growing Christian. And number two, God, hear me now, I give you permission to start a growth program in my life. You see, you think you know where you need to grow, but God knows where he wants to take you to grow. And I'm telling you something, folks. Listen to me there. It may not always be the same direction. And, 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 you, and you know what? I'm telling you, the, and one verse that, that I understand theologically, the Bible says that, that Jesus, it says about Jesus that though he were a son, yet learned he obedience, how? By the things that he suffered I know that's relating to his humanity. And simply what I want to tell you is this right here. You're not going to grow in the Lord without some suffering and without the pain. You're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. And that's why if you say, well, I'm going to grow in this area here. The first time you get slapped upside the head by the devil, you're going to quit. You're going to give it up. And that brings me to my last point. If you're going to grow in the Lord, you've got to be determined you got to be determined. Galatians 6 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. What? If we faint not. That's what he said. See, change is never easy. It's always worth the price. I'm reminded of the little story about the duck that waddled into the hardware store, and the duck said to the man in the hardware store, you got any duck food for sale in here? And the man said, we don't sell duck food. This is a hardware store. Get out of here and don't come back. Next day, sure enough, the duck waddled up in the store again. Same salesman's there. He said, you got any duck food for sale in here? And the salesman said, I told you yesterday, we don't sell duck food here. Get out of here. Don't come back. As a matter of fact, if you come back again, I'm going to nail your foot to the floor. Little duck turned around and waddled out. The next day, sure enough, here comes the duck back in there. He looked up at that salesman. He said, you got any nails for sale? He said, no, we already sold out this morning. He said, you got any duck food for sale? <laughs> you got to be determined is what I'm saying to you today. You got to be determined. In 1952, Florence Chadwick, lady said, I'm going to swim the Bay of California. Several men had swim the Bay of California. No woman had ever swim the Bay of California. She said, I'm going to be the first woman to swim the Bay of California. And her publicist put out all the information to all the radio and TV and newspapers. And, and, and when this day came, uh, they were all there. Some were on the starting side. Some was on the finishing side. And they were going to cover the first woman who said she, she, she will swim the Bay of California 26 miles. Her publicist came to her and said, Florence, we can't do it today. And she said, what do you mean we can't do that? She, he said, look, 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 the wind's blowing 25 and 30 miles an hour. We, we got waves that are four, five, and six feet waves coming in and out of here. And, and he said, look, it, you, you can't only see your hand in front of your face. The fog is so thick. He said, Florence, we're going to cancel it. We're not going to do it today. And Florence Chadwick said, no, no, we're going to do it today. 
She said, if I don't go through with this because I'm a woman, they'll say I chickened out and I'm not going to chicken out. I'm going to swim the Bay of California today. She put on her wetsuit. Her boats got on both sides of her. And, with, and between four and six foot waves, she kept swimming and swimming and swimming. Fog was so thick that you couldn't hardly see 50 feet in front of your face, they said. Fog was so thick, the wind's blowing, waves coming over her. And finally, she was overcome by exhaustion. And she asked to be pulled into the boat. Only to learn later that she was less than a thousand feet from the shore. When she learned that, Florence Chadwick burst into tears. And she said, oh, if I'd only known how close I was, I'd have never given up. And I want to tell you something. You cannot expect to grow in the Lord and not have opposition against you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I mean, the devil will release all the, all the, the, the blockades and the wind, so to speak, every opposition he can. He will throw it in front of you. You just got to remember, in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Satan will always oppose you, oppose you in your decision to grow in the Lord. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, you're, you have an adversary. We all think, yeah, the preacher's got one, the, you know, the associates have one. No, you have one. And he stalks you daily. And, and if you don't believe it, just start growing in the Lord. <laughs> He'll show up at your doorsteps, I guarantee you. Be determined to win in your spiritual life. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But listen to this right here in verse number 37. But nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, you know, for a long time, I understood that principle of being a conqueror. To be a conqueror, I only got to defeat the foe. Whatever that foe is, that's all I've got to do is just defeat that foe. But he didn't say, I just want you to be a conqueror. He said, I want you to be more than a conqueror. Could I quickly tell you what that's talking about there? What the Lord is talking about is this right here. When the Lord starts a growth program in your life, church, whether it's you're beginning to become a prayer warrior like you've never been before. Maybe it's a person you're going to get avid about reading your Bible and you're going to stay in the Word of God. Maybe it's the fact you are going to become a witness for Jesus Christ. You, you go all day, but nobody in your job knows you're, you're a Christian. and nobody They, they, they never hear the name of God from you. They, they, you, you, you. I mean, when he starts to work in you, Satan's going to be there. And you're going to have to overcome those obstacles. Now, when you overcome those obstacles, that is where you are a conqueror because you don't let them defeat you. But what, how you become more than a conqueror is when you take the, all the opposition that Satan brings at you and you use them to strengthen you and to motivate you to move forward for the glory of God. That's what you got to do. And so I ask you today, you going to change or are you just going to remain like you are? I'm not expecting you to go out here tonight and saying, well, I'm going to change like this, but as I told you earlier, I ask you to do two things. One, 
Tell God, God, I want to grow. And number two, God, I give you permission to start your growth program in my life. And you know what? You may not know it tomorrow. You may not know it next week. You may not know it next month. But if you keep giving God that permission, let me tell you something. God will start that program in your life. And don't misunderstand me. It will take you out of your comfort zone. And there will be fear. But you've got to take the step of obedience. And when you do, you will be a conqueror and more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I pray you have those two attitudes in your heart and soul. And I pray you'll commit them to God. So here's the thing. If this church gets on fire with the growth of God going on inside your heart, life, and soul, you know what that's going to be? That's going to bring revival in this church. Because this church is going to come, and, and, and you, the people of this church, you, you, you're going to be growing in the Lord, and God's going to be actively and alive inside your heart and soul. And it's going to bring a new spirit in this church, and it's going to bring a spirit of revival in this church, and it's going to bring the presence and the power of God Almighty in this church. Amen. And that's what we're talking about.